Welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Justin Arner from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Adam Ants, sports medicine surgeon at the Andrews Institute in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Dr. Ants was the author of the paper entitled, Platelet-Rich Plasma Devices Can Be Used to Isolate Stem Cells from Synovial Fluid at the Point of Care, which is published in the March 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, Dr. Ants, and thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So first of all, I'd like to congratulate you. It's an exceptional study that really makes a lot of sense. It's a pretty cool thought process, So, and it's exciting. So can you give us a little background about the study and what inspired you to perform it? It's, it's a really great idea. Sure. We've, we've been thinking more about what cells do naturally uh, in terms of these cells that have reparative or, or progenitor properties to them. And naturally, we know that your body mobilizes these cells in, in periods of injury or any kind of stress to the system. Uh, you kind of think of you as an ecosystem. And anytime your body sees stress, it, it mobilizes these cells. So we started thinking about the injury event of an ACL injury. And there is some literature out there looking at what happens with osteoarthritis and how cells are mobilized to your knee synovial fluid then. And we started thinking along the same lines with the injury of the event, this effusion fluid. And so we first did a study where we just isolated cells from synovial fluid after ACL injury. So we, we proved that concept first, and that was published some time ago in, in arthroscopy. And then we took it that next step and said, okay, well, if we know there's cells in there in that effusion fluid, can we harvest them at the point of care? And can we just easily use one of these point of care? blood processing devices. And that was where this kind of brainchild began. Uh, and we really think that your fat pad is, is probably a, a, a bank for these cells. And so this just followed logically from there. And it was a, it was a good study and we're, we're kind of seeing where it goes because we've been partnering on some of these studies with our industry partner down in Naples. And they think that there's really a lot more layers of this onion to peel. Yeah, it's certainly just the start. It's pretty exciting uh, time for uh, for all of us, and it'll be interesting to see what we see in a few years. So, can you give us a little uh, summary of your study results and your thoughts about them, and even how you use use this clinically now? Sure. So the results were that we could consistently take the fluid from the effusion of your ACL injury, mix it with blood, and then through a, a buffy based concentrating device, create a, a cellular product that does concentrate the cells. And so these cells are the ones that you can get to proliferate in the right environmental niche, i.e. you can culture these cells in a Petri dish and you can concentrate them with the device. And then we push them to all three orthopedic cell lineages that we care about, chondrocytes, adipocytes, and osteocytes. And then we also checked them with flow. And with flow cytometer, they, they had the markers that we think are important for representing a, a population that is a progenitor uh, and or depend on, on whose nomenclature you want to use a, a stem-like cell. And so that has been where we've, we've been proof of concept. Clinically, we're building a way to use synovial fluid as well as some of the byproducts of ACL reconstruction to create a biologic enhancement for ACL reconstruction. And clinically, I'm not 
doing this yet because we're still building a pyramid here within this ortho biologics regenerative medicine space think like a pyramid and the base of the pyramid is, is benchtop work and animal study and then the next level is, is phase one study proving things are safe and then you prove things are effective with phase two study and then you prove things are reproducible with multi-center study and that's how you know you've you've made something that's going to be there forever but right now we're still kind of at that base of the pyramid and so clinically I, i'm i'm not using this and that's because i i'm still trying to pursue regenerative medicine and, and orthobiologics with a, a with a good evidence base behind me clinically but where we are is we're currently in the middle of a study where we're taking these tissues and we're now asking the same question, not just about synovial fluid, but about stump tissue and notchplasty debris and fat pad debridement and these other tissues that are just waste products of ACL and seeing what we can do with them. And so where we're going is that we're gonna make a point of care product at the point of care out of all these tissues that is cellular and will protect the grass from the synovial fluid, which is probably the key to it. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, the the study that you were mentioning, your proof of concept before, uh, it was an arthroscopy in 2017. Certainly would encourage people to to read that, uh, talking about the fusion fluid and stuff. So it's an impressive thought process and certainly a large body of work. So another, one question I had regarding the PRP processing and everything. Can you tell us how you pick the specific parameters with leukocyte concentration and hematocrit and and all of that and your kind of thoughts between all those, because certainly all the different PRPs and even BMAX and these biologics are so different. So tell us how you kind of wrap your mind around that. Sure. In this general space, there's two methodologies or, or device categories, uh, generally speaking. There's the plasma-based category where you do a, a soft spin for about five minutes uh, at about 1,500 RPMs. And really, you get plasma and platelets at the top layer and then a, a bottom layer that is a red blood cell stack with the white blood cells too. So the plasma-based systems don't give you a, a whole lot of uh, flexibility in what you select. You're either taking that soft spin top layer, and that's pretty much your product. It is what it is. The Buffy Coat-based products typically involve harder spins where the, the density of the fluid that you have layers out harder. So you get platelet-poor plasma at the top, you get a buffy coat at the middle, and then you get a red blood cell stack. And then you can take different stacks and then do multiple spins. And so thinking along those lines, and we, we're thinking about a very cellular product, you want a buffy coat-based system. And so we used a buffy coat-based system, and we used the one that is the angel system, where you can select in your hematocrit setting. And so then if you conceptualize in your mind's eye just a hard stack, which is where you've taken a, a blood sample and you've spun it really hard and you get platelet-poor plasma, and then you get the buffy coat and you get the red blood cell stack, thinking from the top to the bottom, that buffy coat in of itself is variable in terms of where in the buffy coat the different subtypes of white blood cells are. And typically the monocytes, which are the ones that we think have the stem potential, are at the top of that buffy coat. And then the neutrophils are more towards the bottom of the Buffy coat. And so for this system and for this study, we specifically picked a setting where we were going very deep through the entire Buffy coat into some of the red stack. 
And we did that for this study because we didn't want to leave anything on the table. We wanted to capture as many of the cells with stem potential that we could. And we knew that say we put a 7% hematocrit setting in, we might be up there towards the top of the buffy coat where theoretically the monocytes are, which are the cells that we want. But instead we put a 15% hematocrit setting because we wanted to go all the way down and get as many cells that we could and not leave any on the table. Which when I'm thinking clinically about bone marrow, for example, and I'm thinking about creating a product, I think about what I want that product to do. And if it's outside of the joint and say I want it to stimulate a tendon to heal, so for tendinopathy, I want a pretty high hematocrit setting because I want to get as much of a cellular product as I can for the application of trying to turn on a healing response and initiate a, basically an injury and healing response. So I don't really mind much red blood cells out of the joint. But if I want to treat a, a degenerative process where I'm trying to really turn down inflammation, then I want a much lower hematocrit setting, such as about a 7% setting, because I don't want any neutrophils. I think they're probably harmful for that process. So that's kind of the, the way that I, my mind thinks about it currently. And, and I'll definitely highlight my mind because people see this situation differently. And we truly don't have hard evidence to make this basis on. So really understanding that that Buffy coat-based stack and understanding that the monocytes are at the top and the neutrophils are at the bottom. Uh, we did a study uh, recently looking at exercise-mobilized PRP, and that one is probably a good one to review. It was from January of 2019, arthroscopy because that kind of hits on these principles. And that study just kind of helped me think about what these two products are in terms of the different devices. And we've got some some nice figures that help visualize that or conceptualize it. Right, yeah, the being able to augment some of this PRP with people with different medications and exercise, and certainly people are referred to that paper and it's a, it's a good read as well. So thanks for that explanation. That's, you know, sometimes it's kind of starts getting a little confusing. So demystification of it is helpful. One other question I had was why you decided to mix the synovial fluid with this one with whole blood and what part do you think is coming from the synovial fluid versus the whole blood and the MSC evaluation and the results that you were seeing? So with the way that we're culturing, very little grows with whole blood and a PRP. Uh, you were hitting upon another study we have where we gave people Neupogen and then compared a Neupogen PRP to just standard PRP and also to bone marrow aspirate, all in the same subjects. And in that study, and this was the same culturing methods that we used in this study, uh, in that study, very little, if anything, grew from just the PRP. Now, a little bit of a tangent on that. Culturing techniques are variable. And so some people say, we'll just take a sample put it in a media, incubate it for one day, wash it on day one, resuspend it in media, and then just check it at 10 days, and that's it. That's all they've done. Whereas other times, people will change the media multiple times and grow it until 21 days. And so when you read all these papers thinking about colony forming units, you really have to think about how many days they cultured for, how many times they changed their media, because it's going to affect what grows. So the old idea of we know that bone marrow has this many colony forming units, 
well, that really depends on who the person was who was growing the colonies and how good they were at growing the colonies and how many colonies they wanted to grow because they can just keep changing the media and grow it as many times as they want. So all those little devils in the details are important. But that's back to this study. You know, we knew from our previous study that with whole blood, with this current culture protocol, we weren't going to get much growth at all. And so that lends me to determine that the majority of the growth that we got in this study was really from the synovial fluid. Yeah, your explanation of the, you know, devil in the details and what cookbook they used is is essential. And a lot of the studies don't even outline that. So it's it's great when I had a podcast with Dr. Hazaka and, and you guys are both really great at putting all the details regarding what your your protocols are, which I think is essential. So uh, I think that's that's important. So can you tell us, you know, it's impressive and pretty exciting stuff uh, that you're pulling from the synovial fluid. Can you tell us what what you think this adds clinically? And, you know, you have a study that came out about a year ago about uh, comparing DMAC uh, to PRP. And give us a thought about, you know, when you'll use this. Or you still think you're going to take venous blood with it? Or when would this maybe be helpful besides just doing a regular PRP product from just whole blood? Well, monocytes are, are the key. And we think that in addition to thinking about a point-of-care product to augment ACL, we also may be able to take this synovial fluid, mix it with whole blood, and then potentially manipulate that blood to get the monocytes to to actively release an anti-inflammatory protein. And so one of the very exciting yet black boxy technologies has always been orthokine and regenokine. And as orthopedic surgeons, we got infatuated with it for a long time, mainly because it was in the the media. The media was talking about it and Kobe going to Germany. And this may be a way to further engineer a point-of-care product for osteoarthritis. And what I mean by that is, you know, you might be able to take this blood take the synovial fluid, and this may be someone with just NeoA, you know, test the synovial fluid to see the specific cell count, and then make a very personalized point-of-care treatment for their OA based upon minimal manipulation or maybe a little bit more than minimal manipulation. So I think that is, is where it likely is going. And, you know, with a little bit of cell know-how, you can take some of these cells and push them to preferentially release inflammatory proteins. And that is the basis of, of orthokine. It's the basis of Instride. You know, it's the basis of some of these next generation PRP products. And so uh, that is, is a clinical application that I think is down the road. And I'm not doing anything clinically just because uh, there's some guidance from the FDA that, that is what it is. And I know that if, if I cite authority, authority always wins. I learned that from John Cougar Mellencamp, and I don't, I don't really want to fight him. And <laughs> my interests mainly lie in, in ACL augmentation anyway, you know. That's pretty good. You, you also have a commentary, I think, it was from last year. I remember seeing about, am I the only one that cares, uh, gives a flip about the rules? <laughs> yeah, which is, which is pretty good. 
I'm glad you got that. So you got the big Lebowski quote from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, you know, in 2009 was when I first got involved in research in this space. And at that point, I really just wanted to clench my fist at the FDA and shake it. But now I realize that the FDA is a very good check and balance for us. And as orthopedic surgeons, you know, we, we do just need to think we need to prove that things are safe. And we need to prove that they're effective before we get too ahead of ourselves. And that's not too much to ask. It really isn't. Yeah, certainly, you know, sometimes our treatments are a little beyond the science. And I think it's good to have people pull pull the reins a little bit. It's it's important. So, yeah. yeah. So um, you think basically in the future, is this what you would kind of say for, you know, ACL reconstructions, like you mentioned, using the fat pad and the other uh, examples you used? you know, use, utilizing that with the effusion for those ACL patients, and then maybe utilizing this effusion in arthritic patients in the future. And do you think there's a role for, you know, diet and avoiding NSAIDs for the, say the arthritic patients or other people we're treating with anti-inflammatories and giving people, you know, different supplements? Do you think that's still going to pan out or what are your thoughts that way? I do. I, I think that we really need to think about what we're consuming and and optimizing the ecosystem that we're working on. You know, vitamin supplementation and, and considering all these levels that we don't just always think about as orthopedic surgeons is an untapped avenue for us. And, you know, thinking about NSAIDs and how they affect the healing of our, not only our surgical indications and treatments, but also our, our non-surgical ones too. You know, we tend to throw NSAIDs at a whole lot of things and maybe we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Maybe someone with tendinitis that we're telling them to, to utilize either topical or oral inflammatories might be just inhibiting the immune system from doing its own work and healing it itself. I think that's a, an untapped area. With this whole uh, point of care tissue options for ACL reconstruction, I really think it's about protecting the graft from the synovial environment. We have a, another study that we've been working on for three years that we're wrapping up the MRI data on, and we're wrapping up the PROs too. And it, it looks like it's it's really about protecting the graft from the synovial fluid and that first caustic environment of the of the knee. And so those are those are lines of where we're thinking is if we have some sort of matrix that is autologous that also is cellular and protects the graft from the synovial fluid, that's likely the, the biggest winner of them all. Right. Yeah, that was another question I wanted to ask you. Do you have any other, uh, anything else on the forefront that you can give us some insights into? You guys, you guys are on the cutting edge of all this or any crystal ball or final thoughts as we wrap up about biologics and where you think it's going? Yes. You know, we, we're excited about our BioACL project. It's been I think we started it in 2017, so we're four years and trying to really get it out, get it published. Uh, but it it will be a we've got three arms in the study, a case series that was just to prove safety in ten patients involving an autograph BTB, then a 40 patient randomized controlled trial, 20 in each group, of uh, augmenting autographed ACL. Uh, so that was sort of a a comparative study. And then a third arm, which was just a allograft group 
where we augmented allograft and we colloquially are just calling it the bioacl project uh, but it's it's been a, a good fun trip and one thing that just a little teaser the ones that looked the best on the mri you're not going to want me to say this but it was the allografts those were the ones that we were like wow <laughs> look how dark that graph is it's amazing wow. and so you know i think we might be able to crack the code of of protecting your your graph from your immune system and i think that probably really is the case you know i think seven percent of people's immune system looks at allograft as other and you know when your immune system sees something as other that thing doesn't have long to live but if we can protect it from the synovial fluid that likely may be the key and our preliminary data our pilot with this allograft bio acl was was really impressive and then the problem with our methods for the study that we're going to publish soon is just that it was too expensive it was cost prohibitive right so where we're ultimately going is how can we use all these autologous tissues that are just currently waste and how can we repurpose them and and really use them to to make our acls as good as they can be Right, that's the key. If if no one can afford or insurances aren't going to pay for these, it's not very useful. We need to be able to utilize them, which is, you know, there's so many things at play. It's it's great to uh, hear the real science and you being a pioneer and getting the real data is, is great. So thanks so much for sharing your results and insight with us. And it's an exciting time. I think the more we learn about all these details, the better. The biologics certainly aren't going anywhere. So the more educated we are, the better. So thanks for your time today, Dr. Hans. Hey, my pleasure. It was fun. Dr. Hans's article entitled Platelet-Rich Plasma Devices Can Be Used to Isolate Stem Cells from Synovial Fluid at the Point of Care is published in the March 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal and is available online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal.